And I think some of these things are just words to describe these indescribable energies and experiences. It's not so black and white, but it's like not about sexuality. It's not about gender. It's not even about who you date. It's just about these energies that we all have within us, men and women and everybody. And, you know, we live in a world that tends to be more focused on masculine which is more doing, achieving, logic, practicality, getting things done, which is amazing, it's important, but then we often are disconnected from our bodies, our emotions, our deeper desires. In today's episode, we're diving into feminine embodiment with Kelly Bodie. This conversation will cover topics such as the societal and cultural messages women receive about what it means to be feminine, the relationship between feminism and femininity, how women and really anyone can lean into their femininity while still being a feminist, and how feminine embodiment can help women create the relationships they truly desire. Kelly Bodie is a relationship and dating coach who helps women have loving relationships with their king. She helps women who are single learn how to date and call in love, and women who are in relationships create a thriving dynamic and deeper intimacy in their partnership. The foundation of her coaching centers around three pillars, healing from the past, embodying feminine energy, and learning how to love men and the masculine in order to create the polarized, connected, fulfilling relationships that women want. She has coached and taught tens of thousands of women how to have more love, authenticity, and connection in their love lives. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to share really quickly that if you are a woman who is craving community, connection, and sisterhood, I am leading a women's retreat in Puglia, Italy from June 1st until the 8th, 2024. And I'm not leading this retreat alone. I'm actually going to be leading it with a former guest of this podcast, Chrissy Constable. If you haven't listened to my episode with Chrissy on the microbiome and gut-brain access, it's pretty mind-blowing. And in this week-long retreat together, Chrissy and I will be teaching yoga, meditation, breathwork, nidra. I'll be doing some coaching and lead a neuroscience-based manifestation workshop. Chrissy will lead some deeper dives into traditional Chinese medicine, microbiome health, and body reading. And if all of that hasn't been enough to convince you, let me remind you again that this retreat is going to be taking place in Italy. So we're talking pizza, we're talking pasta, we're talking all of the delicious Italian carbohydrates. To learn more and save your spot, head over to loveyogaspace.com slash Puglia. At the time of recording this episode, there are only three rooms left. So to save yours, head over to loveyogaspace.com slash Puglia or click the link in the show notes. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Kelly Bodie. I'm so excited to have you on here because I feel like I've kind of had this external view of watching you go through a massive portal and transformation in your own experience of femininity. And I am also doing, I don't know if I shared this with you, but two back-to-back episodes beginning of February one with Ryan Miller, who just came on to speak about masculinity. And I'm so excited to have you coming on to speak more about feminine embodiment. So thank you so much for carving out the time to come on here and share with me and the listeners. Yeah, I'm so honored to. And yeah, I'm so excited to dive into the topic and also just to be on your podcast. 
because I've loved watching your journey. You know, we've, we've been connected for a long time and it's been so beautiful to see you step into this podcast and all the things you're doing. So I'm excited that our worlds are merging in this way now. Absolutely. Me too. Let's begin, I think, with your experience of femininity and how that has evolved over the last few years. So I think I can explain best if I go back even further, probably maybe to like high school. And my experience, my initial experience of femininity was the template that my mom handed to me, which she probably got from her mom and so on. It was all really about looking good so that boys would like me. So I remember my mom taking me to buy push-up bras and telling me I should have blonde hair and like wear prettier dresses and, you know, those ways of thinking. And I just remember that time in my life so much was about, you know, do boys like me? Do I look good? How does my body look? And really obsessive about those things. And that was really linked to what I thought femininity was. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and then I went to college in Chicago and I went to a really liberal school where I started learning different ideas about sexuality and gender and feminism and I really loved that because I started to see where I was so constrained by always like seeing myself through the eyes of boys and men and trying to look good and where I wasn't really being myself. So then basically the pendulum swung in the opposite direction where I was just like so repelled by that way that I used to be. And I tried to be what I felt was the opposite, which, you know, I totally stopped wearing bras. I eventually shaved my head. I started wearing like really loose clothes that, you know, then would if someone was looking at me for sure, I was like way more masculine, you know, like some big chunky Doc Martens. I remember one time in particular, I was getting on the train, the subway and in Chicago, or they called the L there, but someone was walking up behind me and he was like, excuse me, sir. And then I turned around and he was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And I actually really liked that because I loved being seen like more masculine. There was a part of me that felt really like strong and empowered and, and safe also in that energy. So that was how the pendulum swung. And then when I first heard about like embodying your feminine energy, it was through a mutual friend, actually, Amy. And I was living with her at the time and she came home and she was like, I'm learning all about feminine energy. And I was like, sounds so stupid. That sounds so oppressive and heteronormative. And and I thought it was just completely irrelevant to me. And then I went through one particularly really bad breakup. I was actually dating women at the time. So I, along with this journey into my own masculine energy, I started dating women I actually got engaged to a woman, which I know you saw some of this journey. You know, we were connected through that time. So that relationship was really tough. There was just really bad dynamics within it. And 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 it really ended in flames. And when it ended, I was like very humbled. (laughs) I was like, I don't know how to have healthy relationships. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know if I want to date men or women. I was just like at ground zero all of a sudden. And then Amy, my friend Amy, she was like, come do this feminine embodiment work with me. And I was just like, fine, (laughs) I'll give it a try because she was like, it's so amazing. It's changed my life. And so I resistantly started doing this kind of feminine embodiment work. And I started to see femininity and this feminine energy thing in a whole new way where it wasn't about looking pretty or getting boys attention or like all that stuff from like high school. It was about connecting to my own body 
and voicing my desires and allowing myself to feel my feelings. And that I was really open to because I was doing personal growth before that. And I, and I loved that world. So I was like, wow, I, I love this. And all of a sudden I started to feel so much more like connected to myself, free, expressed. Now I relate to that as in my feminine energy, although that was like something that I learned. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be like. Well, I would love to pause there because some of the things that you mentioned, connecting with your own body, giving yourself permission to feel your emotions and vocalize your desires. I'm curious what makes that feminine embodiment as opposed to just embodiment, because it seems like that's something that anybody in any body in any gender could benefit from, regardless of how they identify. And I'm curious what makes that feminine as opposed to just embodiment. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think some of these things are just words to describe these indescribable energies and experiences. It's not so black and white, but from what I understand and the way I see it is that it's not about gender and it's not about what I would have thought before. It's like not about sexuality. It's not about gender. It's not even about who you date. It's just about these energies that we all have within us, men and women and everybody. And, you know, we live in a world that tends to be more focused on masculine which is more doing, achieving, logic, practicality, getting things done, which is amazing. You know, it's an amazing energy. It's important. But then we often are disconnected from our bodies, our emotions, our deeper desires. And what can happen when we have that imbalance is, you know, getting burnt out or just living a life that, in my experience, like living a life that was more led by my mind and what I thought I was supposed to be doing versus where my actual like, intuition and my body-led desires wanted me to go, if that makes sense. So, so the way that I see it is like we all have these energies and actually one energy is more dominant in most people. And some people do have more neutral energy, but I'd say that's pretty rare and people just either have more of a dominant feminine essence or a dominant masculine essence. And most times women have more dominant feminine essence, although not all times. Sometimes women have more dominant masculine essence and then vice versa. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it absolutely does. And it almost seems like this is just a different terminology for a lot of these concepts that are not typically associated with like masculine, feminine or gender in any way, right? Like doing versus being or yin versus yang, just a different language for a lot of these same concepts. And in the human body, right, thousands and thousands of years ago in traditional Chinese medicine or in Ayurveda or like the ancient mystics and yogis in India, they used to say like we have masculine, feminine solar, lunar, yin, yang, which were all just different ways of saying like we have sympathetic versus parasympathetic innervation of our own nervous system. And so I think that that's something I really wanted to touch on today is that it's just a different terminology. And where I get triggered, especially here in Bali, where there's so much conversation around polarity work, and so much conversation around masculine feminine is when there's this idea that I'm not being feminine enough, right? And so I so appreciate you sharing that 
certain people have masculine dominated qualities and attributes versus feminine. And I would love if you could share with listeners a little bit more about what some of those qualities and attributes might be masculine and feminine. Yeah, there's just something I want to touch on that you said, because I think it's a really big thing of feeling not feminine enough or using the words masculine or feminine to belittle ourselves or think we're not good enough. Just another way to think we're not good enough. And I totally never want to contribute to that, although I know people take it however they'll take it. And how I teach about feminine energy, I also talk about the different archetypes of the feminine. It's kind of like the way that I used to be feminine in like high school, maybe. It's almost this cultural view of feminine, which is like dresses and pretty and soft and nurturing and compassionate. And that is an aspect of the feminine, but it's not the only aspect of the feminine. And if we're trying to just be like soft and nurturing and pretty all the time, then we're also being fake and and constricting our own self-expression. So there's, you know, there's also the warrior feminine. She's like very purpose-driven and she gets things done and she's fierce. And when I'm working with women out their feminine energy, sometimes I invite them to view maybe they have a business or they're like getting work done and and they want to belittle themselves and say they're in their masculine, but maybe not. You know, maybe you are in your warrior feminine energy. But I think there is a way, just to piggyback off that, there is a way we can be in kind of like misaligned masculine energy versus warrior feminine. So there's like nuance within that. And then I would never want, you know, women to be like, oh, I can only be one way because I'm trying to be feminine. Like that's just more conditioning and limiting beliefs in my perspective. For me, what comes up, right, is this idea of feminism. Can I be a feminist and also be really leaned into the feminine aspects of who I am? And at times it really feels like those two things are contradictory. In my experience, part of femininity is there is this quality of softness and receptivity and vulnerability. And part of what that may make me vulnerable to is being dominated by a man. And so much of the conditioning that I grew up with is don't let men control you. Don't let them dominate you. You can do anything that a man can. You're just as strong. You're just as, you know, like all these things. So I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to the discrepancy, the difference between feminism and femininity and where they may complement each other and where they may also be in opposition. Yeah, such a good question. Such a big question also. And especially with two things that so many people have so many different perspectives on. Just to go back to my timeline, right? Even when I look back on my timeline, it doesn't seem it may be from the way I was raised with my mom of like, wear dresses and push-up bras. But I was also super raised with feminism in the culture of you can do anything and you're strong and be independent and prioritize your career and, you know, getting things done. And I think that was culturally conditioned also from my family and where I grew up. There's beautiful parts of that. But then I think that there is distortions that also stop women from being able to be in the relationships that they want to be in. Hey, more. <laughs> well, around the domination and the vulnerability with the conditioning of I need to be independent. I need to do everything a man can do. It's tough, competitive. It's a little misindependent. It really blocks men from being able to show up for you, show up for us, because it's in its essence, not receptive. Because it's very much like I don't need you. Maybe there's a time and a place where that can be 
a energy that you want to embody and do, right? There's Because I don't want to make that bad or wrong. But then there's a way that I think women really desire to be held and soft and vulnerable and even in a healthy way dominated in their relationships that our feminism really butts heads with. I think that a lot of women struggle to find the type of relationships and dynamics and men that they want to be in a relationship with. And I do think some of that, some of at the root of that is our conditioned feminism of I won't submit to you. What I've found is like really reclaiming that part of me that wants to submit. And what does submission actually mean? You know, I think there was a part of me that was so afraid of that. Submission is passive. It means giving away. This is my fear, right? Submission is passive. It means giving away my power. It means being out of control. But what I actually found in the nuance of it, in an embodied and, and empowered submission, it's, it's not passive. It's really active. It's active in the way that I'm sharing, like what I want, how I feel, And it's like a beautiful co-creation. I think the old model or the way I used to see it in my mind was scary domination and I'm trapped in a relationship. But actually, it's this beautiful dynamic that's flowing. It's like a dance. You know, have you ever done partner dance? There's the partner who's right more the masculine pole who's leading. He's holding the frame. And then the feminine who's like moving within that. He's in the dominant role. We'll say he, right? But it could be switched. But he's in the dominant role and she's actually in the submissive. So it is like this yin-yang dance of energy that I think when we can find the empowered, nuanced version, it's actually what most women desire some form of in their relationships, but maybe won't let themselves have because of our feminist conditioning. There's so much potency and I think truth to what you just shared. And I can imagine that it's also going to be very triggering for a lot of listeners to hear. And I know that the first several times I heard it. It was very triggering to me as well. Of Don't fucking tell me that I want to submit. I don't want to submit. And it's like, well, if I have this laundry list of complaints of what I'm not finding out there in the dating pool, because I am embodying a system of beliefs where I don't need anybody and I don't want to need anybody and I don't want to lean on anybody ever. Well, that's relationship is leaning on somebody else at times. It's being in co-creation together. But if you're functioning under the assumption that you don't need anybody ever or that there's something wrong with needing somebody, then you're going to be getting in your own way. Totally. I agree. And I was so resistant to the idea of submitting in a relationship. The reason that I came to like understand this truth for myself was actually because I was really, really turned on by kinky dom-sub dynamics. And it's so funny because even if we look at culturally, I mean, I I hadn't read these books, but even like Fifty Shades of Grey, it's like so dom-sub kink. And so I think we can admit, or I'll speak for myself, but I think you can see it in the bigger culture too. But like I could admit that I loved dom-sub dynamics and I just wanted to be a little baby sub in the bedroom and like thrown around and tied up and told what to do. I signed up for this course about dominance and submission, and I thought that I was just going to be learning about that, the sexual side, the kinky side, but they went so deep into also the relational side and the deeper energetics and dynamics, and I started to see the truth that there is a part of me that really wants to be 
in a healthy form of submission in a relationship, that part of me did come through in previous relationships, but it was so out of balance. What it used to look like for me was I was so passive. Part of the reason my relationship with that woman was so bad, we both brought our own issues and trauma but my part was that I was so passive I never communicated what I wanted I completely expected her to take care of me and read my mind and do everything and and then ultimately I'd get resentful because it was not what I wanted or I wasn't really sharing what I wanted or I was just following her lead and I was just like fuck you I hate this I feel trapped and this is this unhealthy submission so then when I actually learned about healthy submission which actually means holding my own and sharing what I want and following my desires and da, 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 like all the things I talked about connecting to my body. Then I was like, wow, I can have this dynamic that I find so like triggering, intriguing, hot, <laughs> or I can step into exploring it and I can see where I was already doing that. But now I could just do it in a healthy way. What I want to bring in is just a little nerdy statistic, which is that individuals who are members of the BDSM and kink community actually have greater mental health than individuals who are suppressing and repressing a lot of these unconscious or subconscious urges and desires that they have for power play. And I think that this is exactly the reason why is because when we have a safe outlet and a safe container to be expressing these facets of ourselves that would in other contexts be deemed as shameful to say out loud, there's a piece of me that wants to submit in the culture that we currently live in, that is a recipe for so much judgment and so much shame, and especially around the conversation of feminism. And this is so important, too, because it's a piece. The part that wants to submit, it's like a piece of us, or I'll speak for myself, it's a piece of me. And I'm not always in that super soft, submissive state. And sometimes I am. Like Matt and I, we my fiance, we do have a dynamic where he's more leading and I'm more following, but that's not true in every area of our relationship. That's not true in every moment of the day today. Like we also run a business together. We're very flowing in our dynamic, not extreme, but I think that there's so much healing in reclaiming that peace if you have it that desires to submit and to be able to go there without shame. Absolutely. There's this Carl Jung quote that I love and it's until you make the subconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. And when we don't actually get honest with ourselves about the things that we desire more deeply, it will find a way to come out. Like It will come out in these other facets of our lives and our relationships in ways that are not healthy and are not conducive to the quality of relationships that we want. So I'm curious for anybody who's listening right now, what are some of the impacts that this kind of embodiment work can have on relationships? Well, okay, wait, I want to say one more thing because you said about feminism and I didn't fully touch on that. Like, can you be feminist and be in your feminine energy? And you don't have to pick. You know, I think the more I venture into feminism, the more I'm like, a little like, eh, like a little hesitant on like the depths of it. But I love the overall desire and of course the quality and ability to do you know anything that a man can do in society like I want that worldwide of course and yeah just for my personal experience and they're not opposed to each other and that's the other thing it's like feminine energy doesn't have to look a certain way for someone and I'm really about that like it's more about the internal journey first 
of connecting to your body and your sensuality and your emotions and your desires. And then from there, you express your unique feminine essence. So maybe maybe your feminine essence and your warrior archetype means working for a charity that like helps women have rights in other countries. It doesn't need to look a certain way and they don't need to be separate from each other. It just depends on your, yeah, your, your unique truth and intuition and life path. Amazing. Yeah, I so appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I almost forgot about that part. My next question for you was when somebody does start embodying their femininity more, whatever that natural essence is for them, how can we see that impact our interpersonal relationships? There's kind of like this scale. There's a scale of feminine integration. That's what I call it and what I teach sometimes to women who I talk about feminine energy too. And on one end of this scale is more of this hyper independent energy. I'm going to get stuff done. Anything you can do, I can do better. It's a little guarded. It can be a little closed hearted and a little more on that side of hyper independence, right? And then on the other side of the scale, there's more of the collapsed feminine. So the collapsed feminine can more easily fall into traps of being passive or losing herself in a relationship or kind of just more codependent, right? Where one side's hyper-independent, one's more codependent. And the ideal is to get to the center where it's the integrated feminine. So that journey is going to look different for people who are in different places. And I also want to say people can be a mix of two. But over on this side with the hyper-independent, I called that the shielded feminine. And then this one's the collapsed feminine. So the journey would look different depending on what end of the scale you tend to be on. And ultimately, no matter what side of the scale you're on, once you start doing this work to connect to your feminine energy, what you'll find is relationships will be more fulfilling because you'll be sharing your heart and what you really want and how you really feel. Aligned relationships will become more fulfilling because also when you do that work, sometimes unaligned, not sometimes, (laughs) unaligned relationships will fall away right? But that's such a gift because would you want to be in unaligned relationships anyways? I think that brings up a really good point, which is what do you define as an unaligned or a misaligned relationship? Yeah, I think a misaligned relationship is when what you want isn't in alignment with what the other person wants. And, And there can be a lot of facets of that, right? That could be like life vision, which could be having kids, for example. That's a really clear one, right? Life vision and that type of thing. But even like if what you want in a relationship isn't what the other person wants to give, that's really important. So this is so random. But one thing in my relationship is sometimes I'll ask for reassurance from my fiance. And I don't do it as much recently, but I'd say earlier in our relationship, especially because there's just times when I can go into feeling insecure or scared. And while being in this practice of connection to my feminine energy, I am in the practice of showing him that and letting him in and letting him help me or, you know, asking for reassurance. And so anyways, he loves to do that. And he gives me reassurance when I ask for it. And it's amazing. And I'm so grateful. I always feel so seen and reassured and like safe when he does that. So I love that. And then the other day I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw I saw underneath a reel that this girl commented and she was like, I asked my boyfriend for reassurance and he said no. 
that he'll never do that. <laughs> and he thinks it's stupid. So that is an example. Like I couldn't be in a relationship with someone who says, no, I won't give you reassurance. That wouldn't work for me. Like what I need is obviously not what he wants to give. And maybe for another woman, that would be totally fine. But that that's just a simple example of how on a day-to-day, maybe what you want isn't what the other person wants to give. And vice versa. Amazing. So it's essentially giving ourselves the spaciousness for the wrong people to kind of filter themselves out sooner so that we can become more connected with people who are truly an appropriate match for what we're wanting out of life and what we're wanting out of our relationships. Yeah, that's the practice. Being open and honest and letting the chips fall where they may, you know, and letting people come and go and staying true to yourself. That's how I've found works for me and and my clients too, yeah. You've mentioned there are a few core components of that or of leaning more into our femininity and it's connecting with our bodies, connecting with our desires, expressing our emotional experiences. And I'm curious if there's anything else that you want to add to that, if there's any other foundational piece of what it is to lean into this more. So I'll back up a little bit and say that there's three steps that I like to take women through who want to connect to their feminine energy. And step number one is healing. So healing from the past so that your past stops impacting and projecting into your future. Because most times when we're talking about feminine energy, it has a lot to do with relationships. You know, I work with women who are either single and desiring to be in a relationship or in a relationship and like kind of desiring this more polarized dynamic. However, if women are going into their relationship and they're distrusting of all men because they were cheated on, it's like, okay, well, let's look at that before we talk about communicating (laughs) because you're always going to have that in the background if we don't get to the root of that. And also these steps are weaved together in so many ways, but, you know, just for the sake of understanding, I'll say them in order. So first step is healing. Second step is connecting to your feminine energy. So how I like to do that is through expressing your emotions. I like to take women through emotional release processes where they're guided and feeling their anger, which is such a big and important one for women. And sometimes I think it sounds counterintuitive, especially if you have this view of, like I used to, of feminine being soft and loving all the time. But actually, there's like this real power in our anger that we're so often cut off from that's so needed. So I love connecting women to their anger. That was also such a journey for me, partly why I love it to their grief and their sadness and their sensuality and their joy. One of my teachers once said that our emotions are like keys on a keyboard. And normally we are playing three keys, happy, content, and bored. (laughs) But then we've got like this whole keyboard and we're like missing out on so much aliveness and, and wisdom. There's so much in our emotions that we're cut off from. So anyway, helping women to like touch on that full keyboard of their emotions and connect to those things and not have shame about them and listen to the wisdom of their emotions. Because that's another thing. So many women, I'd say maybe like most, if I think of like the way I grew up at least, we're we're shamed at one point or another about being emotional. (laughs) So then we're like, gotta be tough, gotta be held together. I couldn't cry because then I would look dumb at work or then people would judge me. And there is truth to that out in the world maybe, but then, you know, We're just so cut off from our emotions, which are actually like our superpower, how emotional we are, how how much we deeply feel everything. 
So connecting women back to their their superpower of their emotions is a big one. Is there anything else in that second step of feminine embodiment? So there's emotions and there's desires. Connecting women to what they want, which is different from like what we want in our like, you know, what what you want in your head and like what makes logical sense and your five year plan. And while all those things can be beautiful, there's a different frequency of desires when we just feel into our bodies. And they can be big desires or they can be small desires, but oftentimes they're kind of, they might feel kind of scary. Not at all times. Sometimes they might feel really good. But I know for me, like when I started connecting to my desires and my body and doing this work, I started to see and know desires that I was like, I don't want to know this. I don't want to have to pursue this one. Like starting a business. I remember when the desire just dropped in so clear right into my body of like wanting to be a coach. And I was just like, no, I don't want to do it. But I did, you know, like I did so much. But in my mind, I was like, my ego was like, no fucking way. Anyway, so that was one. And then another one was like coming to Bali. And, you know, that desire felt so illogical. Like I didn't have the money. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I didn't know how to speak language here. Like there was a million reasons why it didn't make any sense. But then in my body, I was just like, oh, I feel this aliveness. I feel this expansion in my body, which I started to understand and follow because I was connecting to my feminine energy. So I would just say the main thing in this section is connecting to emotions and body. And then through that, we get a little bit into communicating But really in the third step is where we talk more about communicating and how to communicate and feminine communication. Should I go on to that one? Yeah. I'm like, tell me what feminine communication is. Okay. So step three is, and I want to say it's more than this, but this is kind of what we focus on. It's really about having loving relationships with men and the masculine. So not always men, right? But it's more like kind of the masculine and healing our relationship with that masculine energy within ourselves, although the journey is more with outside. And so in that step, and I know I saw some questions about that coming, so please hit me with them. But within that step, we really talk about how to take the wisdom and the desires that they discovered in the second step and how to communicate that like in their relationships in a way that is vulnerable and honest and revealing you know sometimes I'll coach women and they're like I do communicate my needs and my desires and my feelings and then we always go into like a deeper inquiry of like okay how a lot of the times the ways that they're communicating is very penetrative gets more in that masculine energy of like I want this I need this you better give me this the energy is more pushing forward which maybe there can be a time and a place for it. And feminine communication is what I like to imagine is a flower. When a flower opens and she reveals what's in the center, like the flower reveals what's in the center, that's feminine communication. So it's not about like penetrating or like getting shit done. It's more about here's what's happening in my heart and here's like my tender desire and I'm showing it to you. So the thing with penetrative communication, what it can do is push the masculine away. But when we reveal and like show our hearts, which is actually more, well, I'll finish that sentence, but when we reveal and show our hearts, it 
invites the masculine in, right? Like if you see a flower bloom, you like lean in because you want to see because it's so beautiful. And actually feminine communication is oftentimes like the more honest communication because sometimes when we're communicating with penetrative communication, it's almost like there's this fiery energy behind it because we don't want to reveal the tenderness that's underneath. It's vulnerable. It's so vulnerable. It's so hard. (laughs) So excruciating. It's more true in the sense that it's the deeper thing. You know, like sometimes I like to imagine like an onion. It's the the fiery penetrative communication is maybe more of an outer layer of the onion. If we keep peeling it back, we'd find like a tender, a tender emotion or desire in there. And so what I really like to do in feminine communication is we just peel back the layers and find what's at the center and then reveal that thing. I work so often with people who are codependent. And there's so much of this that's resonating with me right now around when we feel like we have to manipulate or convince or justify or like try to essentially get somebody else to give us what we want. It almost ruins our ability to get that thing in the first place, because at the end of the day, we, we want to know that somebody else is giving to us what we want of their own free volition rather than trying to convince, justify or explain to them why they should. And I think the same thing goes with this very penetrative style of communication, right? It doesn't actually feel good when you have to demand something from somebody else. And then when they give it to you, it's like, well, I was pressured into it. So I'm not giving this freely, right? Or that backfires and it's just totally repulsive anyway. And then it's self-sabotaging either way. Exactly. So beautifully said. And then the thing is, is if it works, if women have we'll just say women but you know like if women have that penetrative communication and then the man gives her what she wants then oftentimes women get resentful from being in that position because then they're like well I'm leading and I want him to lead I want him to be his masculine but then meanwhile they've been playing into the dynamic of I'm gonna tell you what to do (laughs) and you're gonna do it And it ends up being not just based on a masculine feminine perspective, but just like on a healthy communication relationship level, like not what anybody wants. Something that Ryan Miller, the last guest who spoke about masculinity and I were talking about was how men and women both have, because of a lot of societal messaging and cultural programming, very skewed relationships with power. And my feeling is and what I've also seen in myself is when I start to lean more into this when I start to lean more into my femininity when I'm not trying to get the thing that I want from somebody else it can feel very disempowering because it's just so not what I'm used to and I would love if you have any final thoughts on the relationship between women femininity and power I'm curious what your thoughts are on all of that I love this question. I so get that. I so get that fear of letting go of the control or letting go of that way of being because I so had that as well. Because even though I was passive and more collapsed, like in my last relationship, that was also how I got things. (laughs) You know, like letting go of my way of being was so unknown and scary. And we think we have power that way. And in a way we do, but it's more through like force. 
Like I'm going to get things done. I'm going to move the chess pieces in the way that I want them to be. But then every step of the way, like we're having to move the thing or we're having to make sure that person does that. It's kind of like tight and controlled and it's a lot of energy. And what I found is that when I surrendered and like sat back in my feminine energy and connected to myself and focused on revealing, I found a power that I don't even know. Power is probably not the right word, but it it works for the question. It's like this power, this alignment to receive all the things that I want in a more aligned way than I ever could have moved the chess pieces to force myself to have. So it's like we think we have power this way. We like think we have power through getting, through trying to get things done or making things happen. And for anyone listening who wants to take this on, I invite you to see what might happen if you took the position instead of surrendering and, you know, like all that we've been talking about, connecting to yourself, revealing and seeing, you know, experimenting to see the different form and frequency of power that comes through that's more magnetic versus manipulative. Magnets are powerful. (laughs) It's a way better place to be. It's way more fun. It's way less work in a way that's, yeah, force and trying. I feel like we've just barely skimmed the surface and we're already getting really close to our time for today. So if somebody wanted to learn more from you or learn more from you and Matt together, because I know that this is so much of what the two of you are teaching on, where can listeners learn more? I have a membership that Matt teaches in as well. So it's called Womanhood. And those three steps I talked about of healing and feminine energy and then learning to love and communicate with the masculine, I teach that inside of my membership called Womanhood. And so there's a whole program in the back end that you can tune into going through each of those steps. There's live calls and with me and with Matt. So for anyone who's desiring to connect to their feminine energy, that's a great place to go. It's only a dollar to sign up for two weeks so you can like check it out, see if you like it, learn some things. So Womanhood, the membership is amazing. And then Matt and I also have a 10-week program. And this one's called Frequency of Love. So this is specifically for single women who are ready for a relationship and who are desiring to call in a partner. And in that one, we take you through a whole process. Feminine energy is a part of it. Healing is a part of it. Learning how to consciously date is a part of it so that you can really be in your feminine energy and also attract a partner in their healthy masculine. So Frequency of Love is the name of that one. And we're starting that one at the end of January. So I'll I'll give you the links for those things. I also have my Instagram. So you can just go there and see a lot of content and information about, you know, all of this stuff, always making reels and, and content about diving deeper into all these topics. So definitely go check out my Instagram as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your wisdom today, Callie. I'm so grateful that you came on to talk nerdy to me. No, thanks for having me. I loved your questions and the depth you go and your statistics. And I'm so grateful to have been on the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Before you go, I would love it if you would take 30 seconds to think about one person you know who would benefit from listening to this episode and share it with them. When you share this podcast on social media and tag me at Alex underscore Nashton on Instagram, 
It really helps get this information into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. Last but not least, I want to thank you, dear listener, for tuning in again today and for your continued willingness to talk nerdy to me.